Welcome to the Creative Writing Out Loud podcast. I'm your host, Alexander Smith. This podcast is your place to hear brand new fiction and poetry from American creative writers. On today's episode, we'll be listening to Bethlehem by Daniel Pope. Daniel Pope is a writer and musician from Seattle, Washington. His work has been published in Lowell Magazine. You can hear his music at danielpope.bandcamp.com. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you enjoy this story. Bethlehem by Daniel Pope, copyright 2017. The giant fake electric star hanging off the edge of the mall's roof illuminated the hoods of cars turned white by the previous night's newly fallen snow. There's no telling around here how long the snow will last, so you have to hang on to it while you can. The fact that it stuck at all seemed a sort of Christmas miracle. This morning, when I sat up at 6 a.m. sharp to go to work at the mall in Tacoma, I looked out the window and wondered if I hadn't woken up at some ski resort, like the one I went to as a kid. Of course, the snow only being a few inches or so on the ground, the illusion melted away quickly. Makes one wonder why it even bothered. After a long day of work, after a long commute, after a long time spent scraping frost from the hood of my Camry, I picked my kids up from their mothers and took them downtown. The bright star flickered and sent fingers of light and shadow dancing on curbs across the faces of pedestrians and children smilingly waiting in line to sit on a rubicon bearded man and on down that one brick alleyway that seemed this area's last refuge of seediness. Around three-quarters of the little downtown mall was a candy-striped awning that protected cued children from the limp snowflake sighing from the gray sky. This line was where my kids, Mark and Stacy, and I were headed, awaiting us all, blessed be he, Santa Claus. Mark was a small, angry child with dark brows and spiky brown hair. He was eight years old and was getting to that age where calling his unpleasantness a phase was beginning to ring false. He was a sleeve tugger and always needed to go to the bathroom. Stacy, on the other hand, she was the proof that I could present to anyone who ever accused me of wasting my life, of never having produced anything of worth. She was 11, had green eyes, which incidentally are exceedingly rare, and blonde hair, a beautiful smile with straight teeth, unassisted by orthodonture. Mark's mouth was a pecuniary sinkhole, and no visible facial deformities. The one thing was the little scar on the left side of her jaw, but it really wasn't too noticeable, and only slightly detracted from her facial perfection. Their mother was beautiful, sandy-faced and thin, with ample breasts and a round face that preserved the charm of youth. The move to Seattle from Colorado, the house, the new house, the second kid, and finally the divorce were all her idea. She was the kind of woman you couldn't say no to, even when she was asking you to give up your little girl for all but the second and fourth weekends of the month, all because of some little accident that was barely even your fault and really was more of a close call than anything. The line advanced slowly, and the shadows of those who waited impatiently were interrupted occasionally by passing traffic. 
Already the snow was waning, and you could just tell it was going to be slush pretty soon. Just old, dirty, watery slush. Not like the white, clean, beautiful snow that tractors pushed into the banked levees on the sides of winding roads back at home. Before Helen convinced me to move out here, where she would be closer to her family. Also, might I add, where the highest heroin use and suicide rates occur in the country. Real nice place to raise your kids. Mark was saying something. I shook my head by default, but the kid wouldn't take no for an answer. I have to go, he yelled. People's heads turned. A woman in a black puffy jacket gave me a face that looked at me as if I were dismembering a baby dolphin in front of everybody. Can you wait? I said through gritted teeth, brushing dolphin guts hurriedly off my jacket. I have to go now, he said. We had already been waiting for half an hour because A, the second Santa was late for his shift, causing quite a bit of commotion among the elves and somebody with a clipboard and a headset who rushed in and out of the doors up ahead, which were painted to look like some kind of snowy gingerbread cabin. B, the second Santa had to change his clothes because some little kid in a Star Wars shirt puked all over his red coat. And C, one mother insisted on persisting in getting her kid to take a nice picture, even though the kid's face resembled a distended eggplant colored the shade of pure terror, even though the kid cried like a howler monkey, even though Santa himself nearly fled in panic from the scene because, really, the kid's face looked like something from Salvador Dali's vegetable stand. Dad, I have to go! Mark finally shouted. Fine, I hissed. I turned to a husband and wife behind me who wore matching black down jackets and carried a young girl with reindeer antlers on and a conspicuously discolored gob of mucus coming from her nose. The parents looked up ahead, faces completely vapid. They had obviously just been staring at us and looked ahead when I turned. They were obviously trying to look casual, but they looked like they had either taken some kind of horse sedative or were in a vegetative state. Any more casual, and the father would have dropped the kid. The exception was the kid, who glared at me with hatred. I was going to ask them to watch Stacy, but thought better of it. I realized we would have to abandon the line. I didn't have anyone to stand with Stacy, and I didn't want to leave her with anyone else. My wife, my ex-wife, was probably at this very moment picking cherry stems from her teeth while her new husband, Max, chopped wood in a red flannel or something before going to pick up groceries from the natural market on his hybrid electric bicycle. Daddy! Mark shouted. Daddy? Stacy asked me, alarm in her eyes. She looked angelic for a moment. Then I realized that her expression was full of pity. Okay, here is what's going to happen. I started in. I went into some kind of army stance and crossed my hands behind my back so Mark would stop tugging at my sleeve. We're going to get these Santa pictures if it's the last dang thing I do. Your mother wants these Santa pictures, and this is our Christmas tradition. I closed my eyes and assumed a look of pure patience. I imagined Mark and Stacy looking at me, faces now full of respect. I opened my eyes, and Mark was picking his nose. Stop that! I snapped. Stacy looked grossed out, which I don't blame her for. So here's what's going to happen. 
I continued authoritatively, not in the least sure what was going to happen, unsure where to start a sentence and where to stop it. I crouched, game plan forming. I'm going to take you, Mark, to the alleyway right there across the street, I said to him softly, and you're going to pee in there. Right in there, it's out of view of the line. But... Butts are for pooping, I said, happy to have finally found a reason to use the phrase. As you pee, I will dash back and stay in line with Stacy. Had Stacy's scar been that big before? Had I minimized it because I hadn't seen her for two weeks? This is the problem with this arrangement. I'm missing everything. I don't even know what my damn daughter's face looks like. The scar reminded me again of Max hacking away at a big log with his long, tanned arms that he had just had shipped in from Bermuda. Dad, Stacy said. I can stand here alone for two minutes. Yeah, I said to her, my face full of paternal pride, as if I were pleased she had the strength and independence to stand in line alone for two minutes. Of course, I realized, I should not be pleased, as this presages my eventual loss of her brightness from my life, which, as a father, I was not allowed to contemplate without a stoic frown. Mark and I dashed across the street. When we stepped into the alleyway, where the light from the giant electric star on the cornice of the mall building did not reach, I pushed Mark past a little brick alcove that gave into an iron gate that led, probably, into the back of some retailer. I told him, Go behind the green dumpster, indicating the dumpster, which was covered with painted obscenities. It was next to another dumpster that was identical to it in every way except that it was blue and meant for recycling. He went between the two dumpsters, and the sound of his urine splashed and resounded against brick and echoed like a distant stream. Suddenly, one wing of the black plastic lid of the recycling bin opened up, slowly, until it rose to its apex and gravity took its course. And I, seeing this, barely had time to scream look out before the lid fell heavily upon the upturned wide-eyed visage of my dear son, in flagrante urina, and he, my son, fell over backwards, urine stream arcing like a glorious golden rainbow. And suddenly I was there, helping him up, helping him with his pants, telling him it was okay, whispering, I think, even, that I loved him, attempting to soothe his tears. Whoops, said the man in the large red and white coat who climbed out. It was Santa Claus. Why? I began. What the fuck are you doing? (laughs) Santa chortled. He was a skinny Santa. He didn't have a white beard. His beard was black, actually. He looked like a young Santa, a young homeless Santa. Found this suit in the bin, he said. It's warm. So is the bin. Cardboard ain't a bad blanket. Ain't a great blanket either. But it ain't bad. Suit's better. Some fellow tossed it in here last night. Think he was drunk. Kept mumbling shit about elves. Mark had, meanwhile, stopped crying. He stared at Santa wide-eyed. I thought about Stacy and her scar as I looked at Mark's eyebrow, which would probably develop a nasty bruise. Great. Can't wait to hear about this one from Helen. Hey, now that I'm up and y'all are here, I'm assuming you was standing in that line over there to see Santa. And so, well, here I am. Mark looked askance at him. Why were you in the dumpster? he asked. Santa's eyes twinkled. It's a recycling bin, and it's because of the thing I said earlier about the cardboard. Plus, it's less stinky. Plus, 
I'm what you might call an environmentalist. Mark looked at me. I think I had been in shock or something because suddenly I came to a full awareness of what was going on and I was angry. You wanged my kid in the head with that fucking lid, I shouted. Your kid was pissing in my doorway, he responded. But I ain't complaining about that. Kid who pisses at the humble abodes of good Christians ought to expect occasional retribution. Though not directly from me. I mean, on purpose, of course. That would be putting too much responsibility on me, as some kind of judge. And I'm not supposed to be judging people. I'm just the Lord's humble servant. I was steadily getting more and more pissed off as I spoke. First, my kid's fucking eyebrow, now this god shit. He just got a little nick on his eyebrow anyway. A little Saint Nick. <laughs> Santa chortled again, which turned into coughing. His belly did not resemble jelly. It was probably concave. <clears throat> I used to work over at that there mall, did security. Not a bad gig, but I drank a lot. What do you expect, damn teenagers? Sorry for cussing, kid. Darn teenagers drove me to it. Them and their little dates at those little plastic pizza joints. Them and all their plastic things. World's going to shit. Sorry for cussing. In any case, I'm familiar with that mall. Worked there for years. Around Christmas, damn line went around the block. Plus, the colors in there will give you a stomach ache. Anger was ballooning within me. It felt at first like fear in the pit of my stomach, then migrated to rage in my torso, and soon felt like a bald fist of tears that gathered in my throat, ready to be released. In any case, want to go ahead and tell me what you want for Christmas, little guy? Santa Claus is here to listen, wearing a real nice suit, ain't even polyester. This one feels like a real deal. Thank the sweet baby Jesus for this blessing. That's when I started shouting. I don't remember everything that happened, but before I knew it, Mark and I were running across the street again. People in line craned their heads towards us. A horn honked, and someone shouted. Once on the sidewalk, slipping in gray slush, I looked frantically about for Stacy. Tears were in my eyes. Stacy! I shouted, voice cracking. Dad? Stacy was almost exactly, or maybe a foot ahead of, where we had left her in front of a fake snowman that stood behind a window sporting the latest fashion in men's hats. Thank God, I said, nearly crying. Mark looked shocked. So did Stacy. So did the parents all around. I wondered whether I could really step back in line and wait. Then I saw Stacy's scar, which I swear to God had at least doubled in size. And I saw a faint purplish bump begin to form around Mark's brow. Who knew how long we'd have to wait in this damn line? Are you okay, Daddy? Stacy asked. For a moment, I felt mad at her. Yes, I'm fine, I said, shaking it off, and pushed Mark under the velvet rope that separated the line waiters from the general downtown population. I followed him over it and looked back at the parents with the snot-nosed little girl. She stared at me. The parents continued looking straight ahead, as if the last ten minutes had not transpired. I turned about and faced forward in line. We were in the shade, but a couple feet ahead, the light from the star broke through a slit in the red and white awning, emitting a small bar of beautiful white light, white as newly fallen snow, white as Stacy's delicate little hands, white as Helen's immaculate breasts, splayed on the green and red carpeted pavement. 
I thought of Homeless Santa briefly and shook him out of my head, focusing instead on the light of that star that barely poked through up ahead. You have been listening to Bethlehem by Daniel Pope. Thanks for listening to Creative Writing Out Loud, the podcast for fiction and poetry. Music by Simon Mathewson. Visit creativewritingoutloud.com to subscribe to our email list and like us on Facebook. Tune in next week for new fiction and poetry from American writers. See you then.